Hey, Brenna. Hi, Maureen. What's up? It's raining here. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know. We've uh, The weather has just been cold. And yeah. um, the air quality is really bad because we haven't had like a lot of wind. Um, Ooh, yeah, that's gross. They're like, yeah, careful you go outside. And I'm like, I haven't gone outside. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. I just... That's not a problem. I don't do that. Well, I usually take my like walks, but uh, I'm sorry. Everything in my fridge keeps freezing. I really need a new fridge. Um, ah, like stuff either freezes or uh, um, the seal keeps is broken, and so it keeps the door keeps swinging open. So we have to put a baby lock oh. on it, and also Fun. it kind of leaks. So all right, uh, head on over to the Habitat for Humanity and see what they got. Well, my parents and I have already talked about uh, a possible bir- a splitsy's birthday gift sort of situation. Oh, since that is coming up. Get a real nice ice maker. <laughs> um, speaking of birthdays, uh, not to put you on the spot, but yours is coming up next week. Yeah. By the time this episode's out, anyway. I mean, it's pretty close, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's coming up. You're going to be 27? I'm going to be 27. That's my late 20s. That's nearly 30. I'm 27. (laughs) I'm going to be 28 in two months. Why are you so mean? Oh, you did that that one time when you were like, you're like, oh, I'm nearly 30. I know. I know it's an ongoing joke. We're both 26. (laughs) Yeah, we get to be 27 together for a little bit. How fun. It's very fun. Finally, someone matured to do this podcast with. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, thankfully, you know, my birthday is close enough to the Warrior Cat's birthday. Two days. Yeah. Um, So I can make my friends watch Warrior Cat stuff and do Warrior Cat stuff with me because it's my birthday. Indulge me. (laughs) That's so valid. Man, should we do something for the Warrior Cat's anniversary? Eh. Yeah, I don't um, think there's any reason for anyone to check our feed on the day of the anniversary. No, everybody's going to be uh, reading Into the Wild. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or listening to the April Fool's version. Yeah, or um, watching some cool YouTube videos. Oh. Yeah, or donating Everyone's... to a cat sanctuary, I don't know. Oh, that would actually be a really good one. Mm-hmm. Well, have you read anything? No. Well, have you read anything? Yes. Ooh, what you reading? Um, I read Why Fish Don't Exist by Lulu Miller, read by the author, so that's always fun. It was very good. What's it about? Um, it's kind of about animal taxonomy and a man who did fish taxonomy, but also just kind of a book about finding meaning in life and, you know, like, it's one of those ones where it gets a little mm, trigger warning for eugenics. Because it was that time. Mm. Um, So, you know, and, you know, finding out about that and being like, oh, so this was actually an awful man. Yeah, Um, unfortunately, eugenics is a thing that just um, keeps coming up. Sneaks up up on you. It's like we keep trying to cut off that head and it's just another one grows. So, uh, so, but but it's got a really hopeful ending. It's got a great end, you know, like it's not just about that, but. Yeah, it's just an angle you want to keep in mind as you're reading it. Yeah, if that's something that, you know, you know, you want, yeah, 
Does the dog die? Go go there. I also read The Silence of the Lambs by Thomas Harris. Oh. Which the famous movie is. I do love that movie. Are A you little problematic. Hannibal series or? Um, it's the second book, but I did not read the first book. I don't think you need. I was. I, I, no, I, you I know really don't. Folks have said, said you don't necessarily need to read the first two in order. No. And like. I, I've seen the sh- the Hannibal show, so like I knew. Like, yeah, there's some basically like what it, they didn't really reference too much, except just like, oh, he really did a number on Will Graham, didn't he? Like, yeah, it's fascinating how quickly Hannibal became like a Dracula kind of figure, right? And then I'm also reading right now "The Box in the Woods" by Maureen Johnson, which is a standalone novel. After her Truly Devious series. Truly Mm. Devious is like boarding school murder mystery. So that's fun. So this one is summer camp murder mystery. Dang girl, you are killing it in the reading. Yeah, well, I'm sitting at my desk more now again. (laughs) Oh. I I genuinely, we've talked about this, I can't, audiobooks are hard for Brenna. Yeah. Unless I'm driving. Yeah. I'm driving right now. I'm I like a, I like an audiobook going while I'm while I'm working, while I'm doing other work or yeah. Mm-hmm. Once I get back to walking season. Yeah. You ready? You ready? Ready? Ready, ready, ready. <laughs> because I'm Ember Heart. And I'm Tangle Tongue. And this has been no. And this is Warrior Cat. <laughs> what is that? Five minutes in and we're just done i've it's okay i think i'm broken yeah i mean because <laughs> i like skipped there with that are you ready that was like a disc skip it was it sounded the it, it was a little bit like you were remixing it yeah and like i, I did not really do that on purpose <laughs> oh man should we instead of doing the intro should we do like whatever those whatever that whatever the genre is which is like I think specifically, like, US FM stations, like, intros into, welcome to KST 711, and there's, like, 14 <laughs> different sounds happening, and, <sighs> like, what it, I don't know what that would be called, I'm sure it, I think we should anthropologically study that in the development of that, anyway. Okay, sure, sure, I, I think it's probably just called Ear Nopes, because nobody wants it. <laughs> well, let's start with some other ear nopes, which is any of Brambleclaw's opinions right now. Yeah. So uh, he he was just, um, well, he feels really tired and his wound is opened. Oh, right. That is, he did, he, because he just had, his, his dead dad just dream beat him up, which, not cool, though it was like, no. a, it wasn't like, I guess, it, it, okay, here's the thing. I don't know if it. I don't like any parent beating up their kid, um, obviously, but like it, there's a context in the warrior's world where there's training. However, I would yes. say that was not really a consensual training start. He just kind of lunged no. at him and just started beating the crap out of him and actually injured him. But I mean, Hawk Frost was pretty nice stepping in. Hawk Frost was like, no, don't. We got an email. I wasn't able to read it. 
because it they warned about spoilers. But oh. we got an email from a, a known Hawk Frost apologist, or they, <laughs> that's how they. And I just want to say, folks, love the characters you love, no matter what our opinions are. I'm sure if oh, they, yeah. they're they're probably some spotted leaf lovers that hate me. But just know. Unless you think Ashford did nothing wrong, then uh, <laughs> walk away from me. But um, <laughs> he does more wrong. <laughs> but just know it. You can love whoever you love, even uh, because like, and you can like bad characters, it, right? You can love people as villains, and even poorly written characters you can love. Like, I mean, honestly, yeah. if Spotted Leaf was written more like a villain, I think I would adore her, right? So, just I'm just letting you guys know. Also. Uh, I didn't read the email, but I do love to hear people's opinions that are different than ours. So do, uh, and also thank you for telling us right away there were spoiler uh, spoilers in the email. Because yes. I sadly couldn't read the rest of it, but I was like, I, I wanted to read it because I was like, I need to know uh, like why you are a Hawk Frost apologist. Because I, I, I can see it. I can see the potential. And we talked about it a bit last week about, Yeah, you know. we, we have. So anyway, it just... We've been having a lot of fun with him, and that's what yeah. really matters. And, and fun, yeah, that was won. cool of him to jump in and be like, "Hey, Dad, uh, <laughs> this is kind of a to weird beat vibe." Up me instead, yeah, uh, he's bleeding. Also, it makes me a little bit nervous that uh, Daddy Dark Place, uh, rather than just mental repercussions, apparently can have some physical. Yeah, yeah, that's rough. A little nerve-wracking there. So, Squirrel Flight is roused by Brambleclaw moving and the scent of blood. What have you done? She gasps. And Brambleclaw says he's not sure, because, of course, he can't tell her about his visits with Tigerstar. Especially not now that she trusted him again. Which... No, no, if you want to make sure not to break that trust, you need to tell her. You cannot build a relationship with a foundation of lies! Brambleclaw. Also, if you're gonna lie, be better. Be like, oh man, I think there's a thorn somewhere in the moss. Well, he said that he must have caught it on a branch while he slept. Careless furball, Squirrelflight says. He needs to see Leafpool to get some cobwebs. Brambleclaw asks if anyone is leading the Dawn Patrol. Dustpelt says he is. Cloudtail and Thornclaw are joining him. And Squirrelflight says it's good that he's not going if his shoulder's giving him trouble. You're already messing up the directions dad gave you. Yep. Well, Brambleclaw says he'll be fine. Why don't they go hunting instead? Squirrelflight gives him a long look through narrowed eyes. Okay. But after he's seen Leafpool. You know what? Like, he's not only disappointing one father, but two fathers. If you think about it. <laughs> yeah. Brambleclaw makes his way to Leafpool's den, head spinning with exhaustion. Um, and she's with Birchpaw and goes to fetch cobwebs when he arrives. Any cat would think he'd been fighting again, she says as she dressed his wounds. And for a heartbeat, Brambleclaw wonders if Leafpool could possibly know about his meetings with Tigerstar. He says he doesn't know how he did it. Is it okay if he hunts? Leafpool hesitates before telling him not to overdo it and come back if the bleeding starts again. Squirrelflight is waiting for him with Stormfur and Brook. Stormfur greets him, and Squirrelflight tells him that he must have been fighting badgers in his sleep. Brambleclaw winces, because her theory's a bit close to the truth. Squirrelflight leads them towards the entrance, and Ashfur appears with moss before they can get there. Squirrelflight greets him, 
but his gaze sweeps coldly over her, and he ignores Brambleclaw entirely as he stalked away. I tried to explain, Squirrelflight insists helplessly. She keeps trying to explain, but he won't listen. She doesn't see why they can't be friends. Well. Girl, you don't have to be friends. (sighs) She's trying. Oh, Brambleclaw kind of doubts that Ashfur would ever be okay with just being friends with Squirrelflight, but he doesn't say that out loud. Instead, he gently touches his nose to Squirrelflight's muzzle, and he tells her that she did her best. As the sun rose, Brambleclaw feels some of his exhaustion vanish with the warmth. Brooke makes an impressive mouse catch, and she says hunting in the trees is strange, but she's starting to get a ha- the hang of it. Stormfur is trying to instruct her more, but he's a river clan cat. More used to snatching up fish, and lately he's been pursuing prey over rocks in the mountains. He had forgotten how much debris littered the forest floor. And he snaps a twig. The squirrel gets away. God darn it. Mouse Stormfur exclaimed. Squirrelflight's tail curled up in amusement. So, Brooke, she says, think of that as a lesson in how not to do it. Brooke's like, wow, yeah, got it. Yeah. Well, Brambleclaw sees a vole. It's his turn. He sets each paw down carefully, because Squirrel Flight would never let him forget if he snapped a twig. He kills it with a single swipe, and Stormfur tells him, well done. Mm. Brambleclaw wishes life could always be like this. Uh-oh. Warm sunshine, plenty of prey, and the company of friends. You have spoken doom into existence, King. They mean so much more to him than dreams of power. But even as he thinks that, he feels the tug of ambition. He would give anything to be clan deputy, wouldn't he? And after that, a leader responsible for the whole clan. What do I really want? He wanders to himself. And for once, Brambleclaw can't answer. Oh no! You don't have to choose between wanting to be deputy and your friends unless you're training in hell. Yeah, like, to be, like, <laughs> to be deputy. There are people who've been deputy and, like, pursued this without also betraying everything. Like, it's ambition's not a bad thing. It's so weird that they're like, oh my god, ambition makes you evil. Like, no, ambition doesn't make you evil. No. Like, betraying all of your... Um, values and everyone that loves you in pursuit of that ambition? Now that's evil. I think that's the question. Killing cats in pursuit of ambition? Also not cool. Like, Brambleclaw, I think what you need to ask yourself is not what am I willing to do to become a deputy, but what am I willing to lose? Because my, you have loaded the table against your favor like you have you have placed that bet high and i think you are about to be wiped clean kid the patrol returns to camp laden with prey and cats are gathered around the dawn patrol dustpelt is saying something about a couple more fox traps one on the wind clan border and the other by the old two-leg nest they sprang them both and Dustpelt nods to Squirrel Flight as she bounded up, and he said her stick idea works well. Yay! And also, those are places, I guess, that make sense to have it. Because Wing Clan Boy yeah. is kind of like in... Not really... But I, probably there's another fox trail around there. 
that's visible to a human and by mm-hmm. the two like place makes sense. Also, um, yeah. if anyone set, sets out fox tra- uh, traps and then leaves uh, or is going to move, like, take them down before you leave. Well, Thornclaw says they heard buzzing from the lake. Buzzing? Was it bees? Rainwhisker asks. I, uh, that's what I was about to say. Bees? Or is it mosquitoes? Cloudtail says it was some sort of two-lake monster. The lake is swarming with them. Brambleclaw feels uneasy. Wait, I thought we knew what boats are. They, they've never seen a... We know what a dock Wait. is? Oh, I, I've been... They call it, like, the half bridge. Oh. I call it a dock because I know what a dock is. Oh, they know what but stairs are. I'm pretty sure are. they've seen boats before. But Wouldn't they um, just say they're monsters? Because they're not, they're about the same size, unless they're, like, smaller. Yeah, they're saying some kind of two-leg monster. Oh, they're okay. saying. Sorry. Yeah, they're just calling them monsters. So Bramble- Brambleclaw's like, what are they doing? This is a bigger lake than I thought. Yeah, I don't really know. And apparently, like, they, the boats are, like, by RiverClan only, and they just kind of stay there. So it's kind of like, oh? Big lake? River, I mean, it makes sense people would fish on a lake. Not just cats. Maybe they're, you know how some boats, like, there's those smaller, like, one motor, like, two-seater boats? Maybe yeah. they're those size. Not, like, we're, I think I might be thinking a little too Midwest here, a little too Minnesotan. I think we're maybe thinking. Yeah, in- but if they're, if they're buzzing, you think they have motors. No, I know. Like, there's those single, yeah. single guy yeah. things that have motors, like, prop motors yeah 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 that no no i'm i'm on the same page i'm just wondering how big is this lake that you're motoring around um well people i honestly it could probably be not too big and probably have three or four boats it wouldn't be great for overfishing but (laughs) maybe we just have to email the errands and ask them to clarify please well daisy said daisy speaks up those are boats there's a boat place at the other side of the lake. So Daisy knows what a boat is. How? Wait. Oh, sorry. It's Daisy. I, I got Daisy and Brooke mixed up. Um, and I was like, yeah. Brooke, how do you know this? Well, she says two legs go there all the time when the weather is warm. Mousefur's neck bristles. Does that mean two legs will be bothering them all through Greenleaf? Is there a beach? Daisy says probably. They sail in boats and swim in the lake. Two legs swim for fun, Sandstorm sniffed. How mouse-brained is that? Dustpelt says if this boat place is on the other side of the lake, it's ShadowClan and RiverClan's problem. Brambleclaw glances at Squirrelflight, aware of her gaze fixed on him. Does she think he's worrying about Hawkfrost again? Firestar tells patrols to keep watch. They can discuss it with the other clans at the gathering. And he tells them not to forget that a problem for ShadowClan and RiverClan can easily become a problem for them. We've learned this lesson, guys. Remember? Yeah, and not even just like, oh, the power of teamwork. (laughs) But also just kind of like, well... If they the drive prey out of ShadowClan's territory. Yeah, and then ShadowClan's gonna come hunt in our territory, and it's like, meh. Anxiety has been gnawing at Leafpool all day. She thinks Brambleclaw must have met with Tigerstar again. 
When she finished her duty, she laid down and tried to dream herself back to that dark forest. It terrified her, but she owed it to her clan to discover what Brambleclaw was doing there. It's not just for the sake of her sister. <laughs> this you, must be, be part of her duty as a medicine cat. If it's... If it's for your duty, you tell your daddy. That's why those words sound so similar. I'm probably taking that part out. <laughs> I was trying to make a joke, but then I just didn't like it at all. Well, Leafpool opens her eyes to find herself in a forest of leafless trees. Leafpool treads quietly. What if she just ended up and she just overshot it and is in a totally different place? But heartbeats later, she halts, bewildered. Three cats stood on the path. Starshine sparkled at their paws and in their fur. Oh, she did. She's this is the wrong place. That other place has leaves. Blue Star tells her to come out. They've oh. been waiting for her. Yellow Fang says she took her time. This is all I've ever wanted. Are you kidding me? Is this real? I mean, she's in her dream, but yeah, based on our rules. No, I just... I just made sure you weren't making this up. Like, you weren't lying to me. Oh, my God. I'm so happy. No. It's going to be so hard to just, um, that growl of happiness I just let out. That's going to be awful to edit. But <laughs> I just, like, barked when I heard Blue Star and Yellow Fang, my two favorite characters. <gasps> Is my well, third Do favorite- I guess the third? Is it my third favorite character? It's a golden tabby. Oh. Who could it be? I spotted Leaf. No, it's a golden tabby. I don't know what spotted he Leaf is. He introduces himself as Lionheart. It's Lionheart. Oh, hey. He was one of Blue Star's many deputies. Listen, man. You're not one of- Why are you here in the Bad Girls Club? I don't really know why either of- the Is he the cameraman of the Bad Girls Club uh, uh, Star Clan edition? They let Lionheart in. Well, Leaf will ask where she is and why she's been brought here. She'd never been here in her dreams, and this couldn't be where Tiger Star walked because there were Star Clan cats here. Blue Star tells her to come and leads them further into the forest. What had seemed ominous turned to beauty when they reached a moonlit clearing. Just above the trees, Leafpool sees three tiny stars shining close together. She doesn't remember if she's seen them before. As she looked at them, they seemed to glow brighter and brighter until they threatened to rival the moon. Blue Star, she asks. What is that? But Blue Star doesn't answer. You don't get it? I don't know how we could be clearer about this. <laughs> like, oh, that's actually for somebody else. Yeah, that was for Mothwing. Up. We're just trying to see how bright we need to turn these things up. <laughs> We've been for shining flashlights see. in her face every night in like Morse code, like an inch from her face, and she just keeps keeping her eyes. We know she's keeping them shut. We know she's not. She's like not asleep, but she's like purposely ignoring us. Blue Star gestures for Leafpool to sit in the clearing. Leafpool glanced over her shoulder but now she can't make out the three stars at all. And she decides she must be imagining things. Her attention turns back to the three Star Clan cats gathered around her. Maybe that was them descending upon on high. 
I don't know if we should ignore, like, literally anything, but okay, why not? We've been ignoring every other important thing. Leafpool asks if they have a sign for her. Not exactly, Blue Star <laughs> says. We have some thoughts. <laughs> but they did want to tell her that the path of her life will twist in ways yet hidden to her. Yes, Yellowfang says dryly, she will tread a path few medicine cats have walked. Fear stabbed through her. What do they mean? I mean, you've already, like, done a great job doing just basically wackadoo stuff. Blue Star tells her that there are cats that she has yet to meet, but their paws will shape her future. Leafpool wants to protest. Am I pregnant? Huh? <laughs> Am I pregnant? Am I pregnant? Leafpool wants to protest. That's not an answer. But out of respect, she stays silent. But also, that's also, like, not even... Like, not even really a good hint, or I know it's not necessarily a, um, uh, 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 what do we call these things again? Omen? Yeah, a sign. Really a, a sign or an omen, because it's like, yeah, everyone has people they haven't met yet who will be important to them. That's life, actually. That's like a thing that happens to all people. But these are prophetic three cats. Okay, cool. Um, do three I get to- cats? The three wise men. Well, the- <gasps> Jesus! Where's my myrrh? We'll see, we'll see. Lionheart rests a tail on her shoulder. He says they've come to give her strength. Oh, that's why they brought Lionheart, because he's strong. Wait, is she about to, like, give- Lives? That's like- Wait, what? Whatever happens, remember that we are always with you. Blue Star promises. Leafpool tries to understand, but it doesn't make sense. She Are knew exactly where her life would lead from now on. She was ThunderClan's medicine cat, and she will be until StarClan called her to walk with them in Silverpelt. She'd given up her dreams of life with Crowfeather. Hey guys, um, are we doing this in this weird place because we don't want Spotted Leaf to know? You can tell me. <laughs> Like, okay. No, the reason- They just sneak away. The, yeah, that's the reason they actually brought um, Lionheart, is because he, he he's just like, oh yeah, we're just gonna go on a walk. Go, 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 I'll watch the back. <laughs> we're going hunting. She doesn't do that. Go! Go, run! I don't understand, Leafpool protests. Can't they tell her more? Blue Star shook her head. Even Star Clan can't see everything that will happen. The path ahead of her vanishes into shadow, but she promises again that they will walk with her every step of the way. And her words both disturbed and comforted Leafpool. <laughs> She's not alone. StarClan hadn't abandoned her as she once feared. Maybe that's why she couldn't walk in Tigerstar's dark forest anymore. By following her heart, she had come back to StarClan. Maybe you should ask them! Hey, guys, by the way. Yeah, hey, so... I've been having these wack... Speaking of weird dreams and signs and visions, since I have you guys here, quick, quick, quick cue, quick clarification. Everyone ever been to hell? It's <laughs> <laughs> Just a straw poll here? Yeah, just... <laughs> just a quick... It's silly, honestly silly, but, uh... <laughs> What if I saw a guy that all three of you really hate? 
or at least have some complex feelings about. Um, and what if he is doing something a little wacky wild? <laughs> With a boy that you guys have decided that you really like. Yeah, like have, have tried desperately to keep alive. Also, he's dead. Like he's dead and also doing this. Rest, Lionheart purred and gave her a lick between the ears. Rest and grow strong for what lies ahead. Rest so she can keep that clan of hers in order, Yellowfang adds. Thank you, Yellowfang. The scent of the three cats wreathed around her. She curled up in the grassy clearing. Through the trees, she can see the three new stars shining even brighter than before. Thank you, she murmured, and she closed her eyes. Would you like to hit me with a cat fact? Oh boy, would I. Buckle in, everybody. Uh, as folks may recall, uh, last uh, from last week's episode, not that long ago, uh, when we covered the survival story of Ada, Blackjack Johnson, and Vic the Cat, um, their expedition was organized by a one Villamer Stefansson. And that was not the first Arctic expedition he was involved with in that went badly. Um, uh, what I did not mention is that the previous expedition had a cat. So it qualifies oh. as a cat fact. I can talk about this, which is, I'm really excited because I did so much research and I actually have a few corrections slash clarifications from last week because since I All did right. more research, I found some answers. Uh, the Wrangell Island expedition was organized by, by Stefansson and I'm not 100% sure if he funded it alone, but he was deaf responsible for setting it up poorly, might I add. And, uh, he did originally like pitch the expedition to the government of Canada saying, Hey, I'll claim that Island for you. And Canada said, no. And he said, ah, well, uh, we're going to do this for Britain. And Britain was like, no, no, you're not. You're actually, no, we didn't agree to, no, he never asked us that. Um, uh, especially since, um, at that point in history, uh, Wrangell Island was already recognized as, being in territory that belonged to the Soviet Union. Oh. Two countries had rejected him, like, super hard. The reason for that, other than it being an island that literally already belonged to someone uh, or to a certain uh, territory, uh, his previous uh, expedition, eight years earlier in 1913, killed 11 people. Oh, yikes. And so today we're going to be talking about the Canadian Arctic Expedition. This Canadian Arctic Expedition first aimed to be more like an anthropological like slash scientific study, similar to the work Stefansson did uh, before in his life. He is a super educated guy. I hate his guts. You guys will, you can, that might, it might make my reporting a little bit biased, but I think you guys will fi figure out why as I tell you a little bit more. So it, it was originally going to be funded by the U.S.-based National Geographic Society, um, but instead the Canadian government's like, hey, uh, we'll fund this and any place that you find will then claim, because at this point in history, the space on the globe that was between Alaska and the North Pole was pretty much blank. <sighs> so Canada was like, I, we're, we're super into taking that whatever land you find. That meant that the National Geographic Society was like, okay, we'll, we'll pull our funding, but you guys need to, like, leave. Like, 
like immediately like you need to go or else we'll claim that for the u.s like we'll we'll take responsibility and so Svansson's like okay let's go let's go and this kind of short deadline is where we start to see issues arise Members of the expedition pointed out uh, concerns of not having enough time to properly prepare, like the 10 scientists that were part of it. Um, Stefanson dismissed that. (laughs) Uh, It was pretty easy for him to dismiss it because he wasn't there for the first couple, like the weeks leading up to them leaving. How convenient. Um, So like, well, everything's getting ready. Uh, And the team of 10 scientists uh, that were gathered were a, a pretty good group of like scientists to bring along, but only two had ever been part of an Arctic research project previously, so a little bit uh, concerning. Although I guess everyone has to have their first Arctic expedition, right? It kind of sucks because only one of those guys I think comes back alive. But anyway, oh, um, Robert Bartlett, uh, who would be the captain of the main ship, the Carluke. Uh, didn't even have time to hire a specific crew. They just had to, like, grab volunteers from a Navy dockyard in Canada. Um, and when he Yikes. finally got to, like, the port that they were launching from, he fired the first officer who was supposed to be uh, working with him because he was totally incompetent and was like, oh, my God, no. Okay, we have to hire someone else. Uh, this guy sucks. The, even the ship, the Carluke, uh, even though it was a Arctic whaling vessel, it was not built to get through ice. So if they got stuck, um, they were supposed to just like follow the ice drift as they're stuck in the ice and just like kind of do that. Okay. So the ship set sail on time, you know, so the Canadian government was paying for all of this. And as they started the journey, uh, the scientists were like, okay, Stefansson, uh, more details. What's the plan? What's the schedule? And S- Stefansson was like, mm. And when they're like, okay, uh, do you think the ship is going to be okay? Like, you think it will last through the ice? Uh, Stefansson was like, well, if if we die, that's fine, because your lives don't matter as much as whatever we discover. And despite this, no one quit. Like, no one quit. I would have probably quit because, like, they hadn't, like, at this point in the trip, like, they could have jumped off at the next port. Um, But, you know, everyone's like, we're going to see this through, I guess. Um, And so, wait, the guy who funded it, he's on this trip, too? For now. All right. So, yeah, Stefansson's on the trip. He's leading this. Um, There's, like, I, I don't, I'm not going through all the details, but, like, he, he, at this point, is an Arctic explorer. And there's, like, two teams. We're part of the North team. South team, okay, entirely without Stefansson uh, supervision, like did a lot of research, did some great work. This is the North team, um, so yes, he's okay. on the ship with them. As they headed north on the coastline, uh, they stopped at some places, and more folks joined the crew. Uh, four Inuit hunters, two of them uh, are known as Jerry and Jimmy. Both of those names are in quotations in the sources I found. Um, I don't know if people just couldn't say their correct names or if those were nicknames they chose or nicknames given to them. But Jerry and Jimmy is all I have. Uh, Two other Inuit hunters were also picked up, a 19-year-old Katakovic and Karaluk. And Karaluk, he was like, hey, um, I want to join this. Um, I'm a great dog sled guy. I'm a great hunter. Um, But also, can we bring my wife and two kids? Because I need to care for them. And at that time... People might critique this, but that's, like, of the time. It made sense. And also, I don't think if both the parents left, they didn't have people to watch their kids for an indeterminate amount of time. So. Yeah. I don't. I'm not judging no, them. So fair. 
Uh, so Kerluk brought his wife, Keruk, also known as Auntie, by a lot of the crew. Um, she was the head seamstress and kind of, she was the only woman and everyone kind of just saw her as sort of a mother figure. And um, mm. their two daughters, eight-year-old Kwagaluk, also known as Helen, and three-year-old Mukpi, also known as Ruth. And Mukpi had just turned three. Like, she was like two when it started. Oh, <laughs> And they also picked up 16 dogs to be used as sledding dogs once they arrived for, like, traveling. Kind of makes sense for, like, research. And the crew was like, we have to get a cat. They're good luck for sailing. We have to get a cat. And they helped, like, with vermin yeah. and stuff. Stefansson, once again, love this guy, was like, no, the dogs will eat it. And it's like, okay, that's dumb. I don't think you know how dogs work. Right. And, yeah, these are pack dogs and maybe not the best trained, but also, like, this is a big ship. The cat somewhere else. Um, and that's what they the did. Cat can the can jump much higher. The crew snuck in a black cat who... I... This name, there's two spellings of it, and I do not know if I can say either of them. Nigeraruk. The name is N-I-G-E-R-A-U-R-A-K. Or it's also spelled N I G I G U G. U A U R A Q. Good luck. The name also means little black one in, in um like a I believe a, a native Inuit language. So I'm just gonna call I'm just gonna call him little one uh, or uh, her little one because I I I genuinely could not find a pronunciation at all for uh, this name, unfortunately, and I couldn't even find out which language really. It, they just said Inuit language, but that isn't really specific. So. <laughs> I was like, yeah. there's actually a couple languages, guys. So I, um, I, out of respect of not totally butchering it, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say little black one, um, since mm -hmm. that's what the sources say it translated into. And she quickly was so beloved by everyone. Like even one of the crew was like teaching her tricks and they loved her and Fonson can eat dirt. <laughs> um, so they, they set out in June and by September, the icy conditions uh, had already gotten worse. They were, they were pretty bad to begin with. They got worse. Um, and the Kirluk was officially stuck. We're stuck. Um, it had taken on some bad damage already, and they had no choice but to winter in the ice. Like, some ships can do this. Uh, uh, they should be okay. Not this ship. <laughs> so Stefansson, on September 19th, was like, Hey, guys, um, I'm going to go head out to hunt um, some caribou. Yeah, I'm going to go hunt some caribou. So me... Jerry, Jimmy, and this other guy, um, we're going to be back in 10 days. We'll be back in 10 days. Sources disagree. Uh, some historians were like, yeah, he totally meant this to be like a normal hunting trip. But a contemporary journal kept by one of the scientists claims, yeah, he super abandoned us. Yeah, he just left us, didn't he? Yeah. Um, another kind of sounds like it. <laughs> another contemporary source was like, "No, it was totally legit." But nah. Uh, it seems that history has kind of agreed that this guy super abandoned him, and you know what? I have to agree, and I think you guys will find out why after more information comes out. Um, I hate this guy so much. All right, so. They're stuck in the ice. They're drifting. Um, 
and it, it, things aren't going great. The ship's not doing well. Captain Bartlett, he was aware of like the issues the ship had and ordered that they slowly start putting supplies out of the ship and onto the ice that they were attached to. He's like, guys, let's just do this just in case. Um, and also he was hoping to like lessen the load on the ship and like preserve it through the winter. Mm. But on January 10th, 1914, four months after they originally got stuck, the hull was severely punctured. And Ooh. so, like, hours before this puncturing happened, partly, like, was, like, aware because of the sounds and, like, just kind of the conditions. He was like, everyone get some warm yeah. clothes on, be ready, like, be ready. And once the puncture was confirmed and, like, the ship was confirmed to be sinking, um, everyone, like, rushed to get off and grab and put as much other stuff as they could off of the ship. But, like, because they had yeah. prepared, it, they actually got, like, a lot of stuff off. Um, Good. And Bartlett... I absolute king um, <laughs> can tell I have a lot of different opinions on him. Um, he was the last one on the ship. He made sure everyone was off. He was blasting music as it's sinking. And like, once he was like, okay, this is the very last second I can be on the ship. He switched to a funeral march <laughs> and got off the ship and, and, and sunk down. That's so funny. So, 25 people are now marooned on the ice, along with 16 dogs and a cat. They did get the animals off. Um, Excellent. So, it made sense they got the dogs off because they can use them to sled. And But uh, the cat, they were like, no, we love him so much. We love her so much. Um, the group set up what become known as Shipwreck, shipwreck Camp. Um, and it was a fairly good shelter from all intents and purposes. Like, it was good. However... Yeah. As spring and summer would come, the ice would would become weaker. It would things had the potential. It, there already is a huge hole from where the ship sunk, so this yeah. is not. Can, it can't be a permanent place, even though it was like it worked for now. They estimated that Wrangell Island, remember, was about forty miles uh. from this location. So on January twenty first, the first group of four men, led by the first officer, left on orders by Bartlett to establish camp on Wrangell Island, and they would follow once they had set this up. Um, yeah. They actually ended up on Harold Island, which was thirty eight miles away, in kind of like a slightly different direction. And uh, while a scout did confirm that they uh, had found land. Um, None of the four men returned, and a later scouting mission confirmed that, like, no one was visible on the island, and um, their fate was unknown until 1924, when their remains, so this is 11 years later, their remains were found on Harold Island. Um, it is suspected, because uh, they were all found just, like, in one spot, that they probably had a faulty yeah. stove, and possibly it was due to noxious fumes, like carbon monoxide oh, poisoning wild. because they were actually found with like enough food to have kept going. Like they didn't starve. So they think that either like ice collapsed on them or they were, they had a bad stove. Yeah. So, wild. but we don't know at this point in the story, we don't know what happened to them. They just, they didn't come back and we can't see any sign of them. So growing unrest at the camp um, led to four other men, uh, presenting Bartlett with a letter requesting supplies for a journey to land. And they outlined in this letter that this was the men's own initiative and their fate was not his responsibility. They're like, we want to go, man. We just, we can't stay. We're yeah. not like we we're going, we're not like going for you. We're just going on our own. And Bartlett was like, you know what? Okay. Here he gave them supplies and rations for 50 mm -hmm. days and said, good luck. Hopefully we'll see you when we get out of this. 
Um, These four men set out on February 5th, and a scouting group caught up with them a few days later. So they're like, oh, hey, we found you guys. They weren't doing great. Um, And the scouting group, like, did offer assistance and was like, hey, please come back with us to shipwreck camp. Like, come with us. The men refused. They didn't want to go back. And they were never seen again. Um, Ouch. Their fates are unknown. No remains were found for these four men. The only clue being a scarf buried in ice belonging to one member. Wild. So we are down to 17 survivors. (laughs) The only three of these 17 survivors had any experience traveling on ice. They're like, at this point, we have no choice. We have to go to Wrangell Island or else we're going to die. They scouted ahead, made a trail, set up like little caches of supplies along the way to make it like easier for the majority of the group who was not experienced in trekking like this. Yeah. Um, And don't worry, Kitty was not left behind. Fred Maurer... You guys might remember he's the guy who later dies on Wrangell Island because of this oh no second attempt. He actually really loved um, the cat and actually made a deer skin bag to help keep her warm Little while they were traveling. They're like, okay, we're gonna split up into four groups. The first group, uh, the first two groups, goes off on February nineteenth. The last two groups were led by Bartlett. They he left a note behind on a carp on a copper drum. Being like, hey, here's our intentions. Here's where we're going. Hope we live. <laughs> and it wasn't. It wasn't easy. Wrangell Island was about forty miles away, uh, but it took them like eighty miles, basically in distance, because the uh, ice was breaking up. Storms had destroyed like oh. their well laid path, and ridges had formed that were up to like a hundred feet that they had to like break nice. down through to get through. Um, at one point, Bartlett had to send back some men to the camp to go get some supplies that they left behind because it was taking them so long that they were running wow. out of rations. They got to Wrangell Island on March 12th. Um, so it took them a month. Many of them were injured at this point, frostbitten. Um, and they intended to keep pushing through altogether to the Siberian coast, but due to everyone's poor conditions, Bartlett and Katatovic, um, one of the Inuit hunters, decided that they would take seven of the dogs as transport and go and come back with help. Okay. So they set off. These two men travel an estimated 700 miles. Wow. Katovic, he was left in Emmatown on April 24th. So Bartlett left him there and he went on to Alaska. Um he finally reached Alaska um, in May and radioed the uh, Canadian government of what happened to car- the ship and the need for a rescue. Yeah. Back on the island, uh, 15 people were left and they no longer had a leader and things kind of went downhill. Um, people were Ooh. arguing, um, disagreements and sickness ravaged the groups. Um, two men passed away due to illness and another man died in suspicious circumstances due to a gunshot. Um, There were people suspected he was stealing things. And to be fair on his uh, person, after he passed, they did find a couple stolen belongings from the other members. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is not confirmed. It quacks like a duck. It's not, it's not confirmed if it was self-inflicted or if one other guy did it to him, but it's most likely the other guy did it. I, I do want to clarify that um, the people, the uh, the Inuit folks, they were all okay. 
the they everyone really cared for these little girls nice. and like they doted on the animals and on um the children so like uh, there yes all this chaos did happen but thankfully the family who was traveling with them i'm sure it wasn't easy but they were unharmed uh, actually um the 12 people who were left found some joy with their ki- their kitten companion um uh because they found her like you know sort of a a, a source of joy um especially yeah. a little uh, uh mugpi who would chase the cat even though her mom was like don't do that you, you don't do that yeah. and uh the worst incident uh injury that any of the little girls suffered was uh mugpi got a scratch on the chin after uh oh, well hey you know not listening to her mom and not leaving the cat alone <laughs> so uh respect the boundaries yeah so things weren't going great at the camp um but bartlett had not given up uh so he was trying to arrange a ship that could cut through the ice and rescue the survivors and while he was doing this he ran into one of the men that left with stefanson um only to find out that Stefanson had uh, gone in April with the two uh, Inuit hunters who had left with them to go look for new land. Yeah, like, um, ooh, I, it just makes me so mad that he didn't tell anyone. Like, okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, he also met up with Kat- Katatovic, um, paid him his salary for going on the journey, and gave him a new set of clothing. Yeah. And was like, hey, man. I'm going to go save him. See you on the other side. So, and Katakovic was like, all right, bye. Yeah, I'm going to go live. I'm nine, I'm 19. I don't want to do this anymore. And uh, Bartlett set off in a ship and he encountered issues with the ice, of course. Luckily, he had, uh, when he was like at a dock, he had seen another ship that was traveling to Siberia. And he was like, hey, while you're going to Siberia, if you pass by Wrinkle Island, can you check and see if they're still alive please and that ship was like all right cool yeah we'll do that and while they were going they're like oh hey there's people on that island let's just get them let's just go get them like i know he said just to check but i don't i don't see his ship anywhere let's just go save them and they did so nice so on september 7th so months after their ship sank back in january yeah um, the remaining survivors were rescued along with the cat and the, uh, I, uh, quite a few of the dogs unfortunately did perish during attempted travels back to uh, shipwreck Aww. camp. But I do believe some of the dogs did survive and some of them did have puppies. So Yay, um, puppies. the animals were taken care of as best as they could have been. And yeah. so they're picked up and uh, on the way back, the, sh- the ship of those headed to Sib- Siberia ran into the ship with Bartlett on it. And he was like, guys, get on this ship. And everyone's like, no. And he's like, I order you to get on this ship. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and uh, he's like, You're, I'm responsible for you. Get on this ship, kids, now. Um, on that uh, ship with Bartlett, they did try to go to Harold Island to get those four men who had first, uh, but they couldn't get close enough due to the ice. So they had to turn back. They had to turn back with the folks they had. And to be fair, they didn't know this, but those men were already dead at that point. Um, so it's unfortunate, but I do respect that Bartlett was like, we have to go get the other guys. Um, yeah. So, uh, Bartlett was admonished for his choice to bring the car look into the ice. He wasn't ever like criminally charged, but you know, people were like, Hey man, that wasn't a great choice. However, most folks and most survivors regarded him as a hero and the reason that they all lived. Um, 
Yeah. And to be fair, uh, he actually did go back to rescue everyone and, like, made it a point. And yeah. not only did he try to bring a ship, he, like, told other people, was like, hey, if you're in the area, can you go save all my people I had to leave? Unlike the guy who started this. <laughs> yeah, I'll get to that. Um, Bartlett continued to work f- uh, in the seafaring business, going back to the Arctic. I mean, c- kudos to him. He kept it up for 30 more years um, and even assisted the Allies during World War II, um, bringing like supplies and rations to folks. He did publish an account of the expedition and he didn't criticize, he didn't publicly criticize Stefanson even though he had every right to. Though, um, in private, it is known that he was not a fan, which, can't blame him. Uh, On the the other hand, what was Stefanson up to? Where's that clown? Four years after he shows up and is like, hey guys, I found some islands. And everyone's like, I hate you. Um... Apparently, like, the U.S. National Geographic people were like, oh, great, cool, here's an award. But, like... Canada was Ugh. like, we hate you. And some of the survivors... Get and out of Remember here. how there was a South expedition party? Um, the South expedition yeah. party is like, hey, Canadian government, can you please investigate this? Um, because we're pretty suspicious of what this guy did. And Canada's like, we're kind of embarrassed that we gave this guy so much money. So we're just not going to look into it because we're really... Like, we don't want to dredge it up because this is actually our fault, too. Um, so we're not going to investigate. Stefanson did publish quite a few accounts, and he published some other folks' accounts of the trip. Some of the contemporaries have accused uh, his accounts of not being accurate, um, though he did, he didn't take responsibility, but he did say, yeah, probably shouldn't have gone in the ice. Like, that's the most responsibility he ever took. And let's not also forget what he did to Ada Blackjack, um... Uh, I mean, he didn't go on that trip, but also he never gave her any money after profiting off of her story. So I super, I hate this guy. Mm. So I don't think he is respectable at all. He never went back to the Arctic after this. And um, the research he did previously was um, pretty racist, in my opinion, too. So, um, like, I really hate this guy. And... uh, there, uh, moving on. Um, many of the survivors did go on to have long lives and publish their own accounts of the trip. So there are nice. sources that you could read by Stefanson, but I would say go read the other people's account. There's, I linked an account. Go read them. There's so many other people who wrote about what happened. Don't, don't give this guy any attention, even in death. Um, <laughs> along with the people, little kitty. She also lived, and she actually went to go live with Fred Maurer before he unfortunately passed under, you know, the next trip. Uh, but while he li- while she lived with him, uh, she actually had some litters of kittens, and quite a few of those oh. kittens went on to uh, were given to other survivors of the trip by Fred. So Aww, that's made a- so nice. Yeah, and and quite a few few of the folks did leave live privately after this. Like I said, and there's so much I didn't even cover. I know this has been a long cat fact, guys, but it is a... Yeah. I know. Whatever. We'll live. <laughs> I just want to say Ruthie... Uh, uh, sorry, Ruth uh, Mukpi. Um, she, the three-year-old, was the last living survivor of this, and she passed away in 2008 at the age of 97. 
Um, she was a, nice. given an award at age 90 uh, at the Arctic Science Summit Week in recognition uh, for her and her family's survival story and their contribution into researching the Arctic. And yes, she did still have that scar on her chin. <sighs> there. Thank you, Brenna. Yeah, sorry. That was probably the longest cat fact ever. Yeah, that's okay. Ready? Yes. Leaf pool wakes to sunlight. Because remember, she just kind of like sat down and t- took a nap. <laughs> like in the she was just like, I'm going to dream myself into the dark place. And instead she ended up somewhere like slightly different. Because that, was that Star Clan? I think so. Yeah, I it think just it like was just Star uh, Clan, the ro- like the living room. Yeah. No, it's the kitchen. That's where you go at family events to have private conversations. Everyone's in the living room. You go to the kitchen to talk to grandma. Birchpaw is starving. He asks to go get some fresh kill. Leafpool checks his wounds. There's no sign of infection. And she tells him that she thinks he can go back to the apprentice's den today. Great, Birchpaw said, eyes sparkling but she doesn't want him doing any battle training. Light duties only. Ashfur was hurt pretty bad anyway, so he probably won't be able to do too much yet. (sighs) And Birchpaw promises to go and see if he can do anything for Ashfur, which is very sweet. What a sweetheart. I remember how excited we were, or excited I was that Ashfur got him. I don't think he deserves him now. Leafpool calls after him that she wants to check on his injuries every day. Okay, Mom! Two nights later, Leafpool returns with catmint that she had gathered near the abandoned two-leg nest. Spiderleg, who is on guard, mentions that she's working late. Leafpool tells him some herbs are better gathered by moonlight. Not exactly a lie, but she has other things on her mind. Wasn't that the Because she sees Brambleclaw. Oh. And he's leaving camp. And he leaves as if he isn't afraid of anyone seeing him. Where is he going alone at night? Sneaking off to go date someone in a different clan. (laughs) Brambleclaw is out of sight by the time Leafpool is out of camp, but she can track his scent easily. Good. He's following the same path she had to go to see Crowfeather. But he's not going to WindClan. His trail veers towards the lake. Oh. When she emerges from the trees, Brambleclaw is sitting with his back to her only a couple tail lengths away. And somehow her clumsy approach hadn't given her away. So she backs into the bushes. Okay. Is this where he met Hawkfrost? But Leafpool waited and watched as the moon drifted across the sky. And there's no sign of any other cat. What is he Brambleclaw just sits motionless, eyes fixed on the star-speckled water. Leafpool wishes that she knew what was going on in his mind, and she feels a sense of disquiet, and it's stronger now that she's alone with Brambleclaw. Lionheart, Yellowfang, and Bluestar warned her of a dark future beyond her control. What trouble was coming? What could be worse than the badger attack? Was Brambleclaw part of it? Probably. The night goes on, and Leafpool is nodding off. In her dream, she wakes up. Brambleclaw's gone, but the lake is thick and scarlet. Uh-oh. Blood rolled onto the shore in waves. This isn't a good place to be, I don't think. Before all is peaceful, blood will spill blood, and the lake will run red. Leafpool turns to run, but she's trapped by a tree. 
And she actually wakes up and realizing that she stumbled over a tree root and just like smacked right into a tree. She just ran face first into a tree. She was like sleepwalking. Yeah. Oh no. Dawn is breaking. Who's there? Demands a sharp voice. Brambleclaw springs onto the root and stares at her. Uh Uh-oh. His eyes are dark with anger. He asks her what she's doing here. Is is she spying on him? What are you doing here? No. No, twist it around. Manipulate him. No, Leafpool Leafpool retorts indignantly. But then she feels guilty because she definitely did come here to spy on him. Don't feel guilty. He's a liar. Well, she says she was out late gathering herbs. She must have fallen asleep is all. Fear churns in her belly. He wouldn't hurt her. He's her clanmate. And Squirrelflight trusts him. Brambleclaw glares. And Leafpool rises and walks away, resisting the urge to flee. Oh, I thought we were going to have, like... As she leaves the... Huh? I thought we were going to have an actual... I thought they were actually going to talk about it. Nah. As she leaves the lake behind, she wonders what horror lies in wait for ThunderClan. Brambleclaw sighs and tucks his paws under his chest. He loafs. What was he doing out here? Well, ever since that last dream, his sleep had been uneasy. And his restless thrashing disturbed Squirrelflight and the rest of the warriors. So he had taken to keeping watch by the lake to give his clanmates some peace. You're just so basically leaving camp? I guess. So he just goes and stares. That's a weird. That's so. That's weird, dude. That's weird. Well, maybe he's doing some self reflecting and he's taking it a little literally. I don't think he's doing a good job if he hasn't figured out that no, he probably not. shouldn't go to Daddy Dark Place anymore. He's pretty sure Leafpool did follow him. Does she know where he goes in his dreams? Yes. Like Squirrel Flight, she wouldn't understand that he could talk to his father and still be loyal. And he tries to tell himself that meeting Tiger Star was harmless. Weirdly, she's less judgmental but- than you would think. <laughs> But he's starting to wonder if he should keep on visiting that dark forest. He's afraid of what Leafpool might know. And even more afraid of what she would tell Squirrelflight. The sisters were so close, he doesn't think Leafpool would keep a secret from her. Although she, like, did. Yeah, she did. You were there. She kept a big secret from her sister. So You were there, and also... God, this is so funny. These two paranoid do like people just being like, "What are they up to?" Even though they both know, like they both have figured it out, but yet neither <laughs> of them will take any action. Wow, this is so annoying. It's these two brown tabby cats trying their best. No, they're not trying at all. <laughs> you know that's right. They're they're just kind of being dumb. They're they're, they're literally. They're, they're literally dancing around the conflict. They're like, oh, I don't yep. like conflict. I don't like conflict. It's like, you two have created conflict. Brambleclaw looks at the water. Daylight glimmered on its surface. He thinks of the prophecy Leafpool saw. And he wishes he could read his own future in the lake. But the stars told him nothing. Did his future lie in the paws of Star Clan? There were no starry warriors in that dark forest. Was he turning his back on StarClan by seeing his father? Did StarClan know? The lid. The lid. 
No, the lid. <laughs> the lid. It's like he's so he's so close. And yet I think right? he is purposefully missing the point because he knows. Like he I think he knows. I on some level I think he does, and he doesn't want to admit it. I like want to chew off my fingers. I'm so frustrated. Brambleclaw dozes off and wakes with a start. He hadn't meant to sleep that long. A warrior who wanted to be deputy didn't wander out at night. He's, yeah, like he's doing such a bad, like, commit. I actually, I just want commitment at this point. If you're gonna <laughs> do the dad thing, like the follow the evil dad code, just do it. Like, just commit. Yeah, it's not waffling. Yeah, or if you're gonna be a loyal cat, just do this. I'm like, I'm, uh, Leafpool, I'm less annoyed because, like, I would feel nervous if I, if my brother-in-law, if, if Weston was, I, I don't know what, how he could be doing a war crime like this, but if I suspected, <laughs> I don't know. Weston seeing a war criminal in his sleep and you've witnessed it. <laughs> yeah, like if, if that, for some- What do you tell your sister? Yeah, like I would feel, like I understand the conflict of like not wanting to ruin a seemingly like happy thing for someone you love, but also- I also don't but abide also, by that. But also, this is a big problem. If I saw the partner of someone I cared about doing something that I'm like, even suspect is a little off color, oh, I'm going to tell them immediately. But I do also understand Leaf will be like, maybe I don't understand. Uh, yeah, just like, I, I'm kind of new at this job, like being... But also the... she's like, I don't want to be involved, but I'm going to be super involved, so... Sleepful's can... But also I'm going to follow him. Yeah, she's... She, I guess she's like kind of trying to get more info and like get a better read on it. Yeah. But not being very um, aggressive about it, versus Brambleclaw, who is like, mm, there's two kinds of cats I could be. Evil or good. <laughs> like, pretty... <laughs> I could be a good boy, or I could be a scheming bad boy. It's really the... the the. He wants to... He's like, I'm trying to figure out if I could... Uh, if an edit to me to bad boy by Casca Cascada would be, like... <laughs> he's, like, trying to envision, be my bad boy, be my man. He's like, can I see myself, like, in... Maybe. He hunts on his way back, so he came home with a mouthful of prey. He's about to enter camp when an eerie wailing rose up from inside. Oh, that's... Had the badgers come back? No, that can't be it. You don't know. You weren't here. Because weirdly, you're like, I want to impress people, so I'm leaving. My kit. Where's my kit? Oh. It's Daisy in the clearing. Oh. Fur bristling. Oh, no. Cloudtail is with her, and Leafpool is hurrying over with Brightheart on her paws. Daisy wails that she looked everywhere. Berry Kit, where are you? No, not Berry Kit, I love that name! Brambleclaw feels a stab of anxiety. Berry Kit was the liveliest of the litter, and most likely to get into mischief. Maybe they were following you. Mm. Mm. Cloudtail asks when she last saw him. Last night. But when she woke up, he was gone. Brightheart tells her to calm down. Wailing like that won't help, and she'll upset Sorreltail. They'll find Berry Kit. Daisy seems to ignore her. A badger's eaten him. She just knows it has. Brightheart rolls her eyes. She Brightheart's a better woman than I could ever be. Like, she's genuinely, like, I absolutely hate this woman. 
but girl, it's all right. We'll find her. We'll find your kid. Leaf, even Leafpool twitches her whiskers impatiently. <laughs> Leafpool says that Daisy knows that there hasn't been any trace of badgers for days. Barry Kit has wandered off. They'll track him down and bring him back. Can't blame her for, I mean, it's a, she doesn't have to be rude to Brightheart, but like, if there's any time that people would be rude when your kid's missing, it's kind of understandable. But, yeah. But, 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 still. More cats join them, lured out of their den by Daisy's wailing. Firestar goes to Brambleclaw to ask what was wrong. And after, you know, Brambleclaw tells him, he decides to send out a patrol. Weird, man. Cloudtail Why would you ask can any lead of the it. women standing around? I know, I know that's not even it, but. <laughs> well, Cloudtail can lead it, because remember, Cloudtail is the best tracker in the clan. Right. And he can take two or three cats to go with. Oh, no, no. Daisy winds her tail around Cloudtail's neck. She needs him to stay here with her. What if her other kits go missing, too? Ew. Brightheart hisses in annoyance and turns away. No, Brambleclaw can't blame her. Sweetie, it's not your job, but also tell her to get her weird tail off of his neck. That's so weird. And Brambleclaw understands how upset Daisy is, but she doesn't have to make this much of a fuss. Which, I I, I don't think that's really fair, but there's a lot of weird things happening here. Yeah, the vibe's really off, but like, man, let's not judge a mother for being upset that she can't find her literal child. Cloudtail looks embarrassed, but he doesn't try to tell Daisy that no cat went against the leader's orders. Cloudtail! Cloudtail! Baby, let her know. There are so few men in this, in this entire clan I respect. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Firestar's, like, always on, like, a knife's edge with me. Um, and I thought you were teetering into, like, you're, you're slowly, lo- you're, you're getting out of the side. You're, you're, you're. He's been ignoring his beautiful wife. Yeah, you've um, been, you've been edging pretty distinctly into I don't respect him category. So I need you to, God. Leafpool tells Daisy that Hazelkit and Mousekit aren't going anywhere. and sh- But she tells Cloudtail to take her to the nursery and Leafpool will get some poppy seeds to calm her down. Drugger. Brambleclaw offers to lead the patrol and Firestar nods and watches Cloudtail untangle himself from Daisy's tail. He's just like, Firestar's just like, what is this i was so busy focusing on trying to get my daughters to have grandkids whether that meant breaking the code or not i didn't notice this happening (laughs) nephew gross i chose my wife over a ghost woman you can resist kind of (laughs) i mostly Mostly? chose a my real wife over a ghost woman stalker you should God, is there something in the water of this? It's like every man in this family, whether or not they are in the, like, by marriage or not. Yeah. <sighs> Brambleclaw signals for Squirrel Flight, Stormfur, and Brook. The gang's back together. Hey! <laughs> this sucks. Wish we could be together in any other circumstance, but yeah! <laughs> Brambleclaw tells her he'll skin the little wretch when they find him, upsetting the camp like this. Okay. Squirrelfly flicks him with her tail. No, he won't. Kid, kid, He's as worried as the rest of them. Kid, kid might be dead, but I know you're expressing it differently. Okay, got it. Brambleclaw grunts, and for all his harsh words, 
He does feel some admiration for Barry Kit's latest escapade. It took a lot of courage for a kit to venture out alone. Or sheer stupidity. But Brambleclaw says the sooner he's apprenticed, the better. And he's like, I volunteer. I'm just going to put that nugget out there. <laughs> going to manifest that real quick. Squirrel Flight picks up his scent first. And they follow it towards the Shadow Clan border. Stormfur says they better find him fast. Shadow Clan, Shadow Clan won't be pleased to find a strange kit on their territory. And the trail leads almost directly towards the border. And on the way there, they find, like, little hints of berry paw that he, like, went to look at things. Or he got a drink. <laughs> Ooh, a cool rock. Or they see his little peep, his little paw steps, his little beans in the mud. That's so cute. Or there's a place where he, uh, he pretended to scrape dirt over something. Maybe some prey? He was pretending to bury prey. What a goop. Aww. It's so cute, but also, you're so dumb. Brambleclaw thinks he hears something ahead. A piercing shriek, like the sound of prey under a cat's claws. That could be Barry Kit, Squirrel Flight said. Maybe Barry Kit's hunting? Brambleclaw could also smell Shadow Clan. Come on. I hope Tawny Pell found towards him. towards the sound. If Shadow Clan laid a claw on him, Brambleclaw just feels the fury rising in him. Barry Kit, Brambleclaw called. A thin wail of pain answers him. I sprained my ankle. He's writhing on the ground in a clump of ferns. No other cats are near him. At first, Brambleclaw thinks he's been too injured to get up. But then, he sees the shining silver tendril oh! wrapped around his tail. Barry Kit was caught in the fox trap. Oh no. Oh no. What part of him's caught? Little guy. Hmm? What part of him? His tail. Oh. Well, I accidentally, I think, manifested this into reality, even though this book was um, written many years ago, where I said, I, I just got a flash of me saying, man, I hope no one is horribly disfigured. But honestly, yeah. okay, you don't want to lose a tail. However, lest we forget, my sister did have a cat, like, have part of their tail just drop off. So... <laughs> It's not quite like a leopard gecko situation where, like, a little nub will grow back, but uh, if we only had fire, we could, could like, be cauterize worse. it. We don't. Yeah, he might, uh, yeah, we could, uh... The real danger is blood loss here. Yes. Let's go. Yes. Guys, honestly, this is an opportunity to pull the, um, the, the, uh, uh, medicine cat and kids can't die card and be like, who is it? Who is it in, in, uh, oh, Mothwing! No, that's River Clan. Um, that's River Clan. Shadow Clan. We're looking for Little Cloud. Little Cloud. We have a little baby. Who needs your little help? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're right in between. I don't know whose uh, camp is closest. So send two people both ways. But we'll find out next week what uh what Barry Kit's uh fate is. I hope it doesn't. I could really throw a wrench in Brambleclaw's plan. That was gonna be his boy. I mean, there were two other kids, but valid, I guess. Why did he choose Barry Kit? <laughs> ah, because he's, uh, he's uh, you know, the liveliest. He's very... Uh, Spunky? Thick-skulled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watch out. You might end up marrying Squirrel Flight and Brambleclaw's kid, and then you'll be trapped in a cycle <laughs> of toxic masculinity. <laughs> and not oh. loving or being loyal to your wife. That's all I want. <sighs> 
Yeah, that's all I want, too. Guys, if you want loyalty to your wife, then you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at WCWITCast. And if you want to tell us how you are loyal to your wife every day, um, you can email us at WCWITCast at gmail.com. And if you want to help out the podcast, um, you can suggest this episode to a friend. Be like, hey, this is really long. They do not get through a lot of the book. Brenna just hyper-focused on an Arctic expedition that's loosely related to a cat, and she just had to tell you guys about it. Um, But I hope you guys still enjoyed it, because this was an exciting episode all around, because we have weird cryptic dreams from three of pretty cool ThunderClan cats from years gone by. Three pretty cool cats. And then a child maiming, which is less cool, but weirdly... A little less cool. Less cooling, but like a reoccurring theme. So maybe give them a heads up on that, but um, not dead yet. Kids not dead yet. Not dead yet. Yet. Because I'm Ember Heart. (laughs) I'm Tangle Tongue. And this has been Warrior Cats. What is that? Thank you.